This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C and this is The Breakfast Grill. Now on today's grill, we're going to shed light on a company that produces the chemicals essential for everyday life, from the fabrics we wear, adhesives, auto and industrial coatings to paper and diapers. In the hot seat is Marco Mortunen. Managing Director of BASF Petronas Chemicals, a joint venture between Petronas Chemicals and BASF, as we have a conversation with him about the trajectory of the joint venture. Good morning, Marco. Give us some context to how this 60 to 40 JV between Petronas and BASF came about about 26 years ago. We had last year, 25 years anniversary. Yes. And 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 it was at that time uh, Crow Asia. BASF was looking the market as a global so and 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 population is here growing market then they was looking places where to go china was one location and southeast asia malaysia to the logistic hub and where the customers and the one main reason was that bsf they had their downstream technologies petronas they had upstream and feedstock so it's a perfect match and then a uh, logistic point view customer point of view location was so excellent so there company made the decision, okay, let's build our JV here and thanks for those guys. We have been here 26 years existing and, and, and enjoying profitable growth in and, 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 and Malaysia. Yeah, more than a quarter of a century ago, I'm so intrigued with BASF's strategy to make sure that you partner with local upstream partners here because you don't only do this with Petronas, right? Correct. How how do you decide? I mean, it must be challenging to, at the time, I mean, 25 years ago, to decide, okay, this is the right mm. partner to work with, right? How how did BASF say, okay, Petronas was the right partner to build a joint venture with? Yeah. Mm. Okay, I think when the guys finally looked at, okay, Malaysia is the place and Petronas is a lo- local player. They know the local. When you come to someone's country, I have been living abroad. Let's take, let's come and step back. I have been living abroad so many years. And I left Finland 2006. Always you need to learn basically what is the local country, how to work there, what is the market. So Petronas was a natural partner. They have the feedstock. They know how the uh, environment works here. But uh, BSF brought our own knowledge, expertise there. And, and together it was a perfect match, I would say. And also tend to grow in this area and further spread uh, in the coming years. I think that's where the assumption is, right? The the logic of the partnership is that you can tap on the local feedstock. Help us understand when we agree with Petronas, when you do the joint venture with Petronas, whether or not the commercial terms of the gas feedstock really is pegged to market or is there a significant discount there? Uh, let's say it's always a win-win situation. No one won't do this kind of uh, JVs if there's a no win-win. So it's uh, for the Petronas and for the PS. So when those persons uh, 25 years ago, 26 years ago, made this deal, so for sure they were looking the whole big picture that, okay, both parties will win. And normally when you make this kind of deal, you look, look also growth potentials. Mm. And you don't uh, look this kind of... Let's talk about the commodity. We have also specialties, but let's look at the commodity. You need to look the long term because the asset investment is a substantial. You need a lot of assets. You need to fund this. 
So both big companies have, has resources to fund and they look really long term. You don't look short sighted. And, and therefore, it's important also there's a secure feedstock. Your technology is uh, proven and, and there's a customer basis, consumers there they, that you can roll. But with the world growing so fast and with huge demands all around the world, is there tension, sometimes challenges in negotiating those commercial terms with respect to that feedstock then? Of course, every negotiation, all people when you negotiate, when you buy your own house, you will negotiate. It doesn't matter is it a private or company. It's always a negotiation. Both parties, they want to for sure secure their commercial position. And and finally, once again, it's a win-win situation. Both need to look that terms are acceptable and especially long-term, because we are here together long-term. And that is a good example, I take PSF also. If I take one example, in another country in his Asia, COVID and, and a financial downturn, PSF is always looking long-term. They don't look to ad hoc profit. Okay, we see a partner here with who we want to work, and then we will continue collaboration with them. And like in Malaysia, PSF Petron's collaboration, partnership, it has been really sustainable and we both have been benefiting. Mm, I, I, I'm sure the, the, the rewards are there to be reaped. The question in my mind is that oh, we've seen Petronas grow and they expand their downstream facility, right? Isn't it not tempting to sell out and divest part of the 60% to back to Petronas? Uh, let's say Petronas has been growing also downstream a lot. Pengarang is a good example. Still, in, in if we look in Kwantan, we are also growing. We had the divestment, the BDO business, a few years ago. Then together, we decided also build a second 2HS asset line. And that's a good example. We are now building this plant and uh, it will be the startup uh, in, 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 in this year. And then also Petronas, when we divested BDO business, PCC, our shareholder bought a Malek Anharat plant. And then dialogue also invested in downstream. So we are continuously also now investing three good examples in in Kepeng and our Kwantan industrial park area. Mm, and so we focus on the site, Gebeng Industrial Zone, where currently, no. correct me if I'm wrong, you have 16 fully integrated plants. Correct. One of the key things that really this joint venture extols very much is this verbun concept, the ability to ensure, you know, these mm. different plants are really tightly integrated to link the multiple manufacturing plants that do all these products across the board. Perhaps can you give us an example or illustrate how this concept of verbun comes alive in Gebeng? Okay, Verbund idea is that you have a feedstock and, and then you have the whole value chain that they are integrated together. So basically you transfer the chemicals and intermediates via pipeline. So it is like a machine or train. It starts and runs the next stop. And then in this way you can also optimize your energy efficiency and, and all reliability things. So it comes to economy of the scale and the high efficiency, high reliability are the key elements. And then, of course, we come in this uh, feedstock. And what is your feedstock? Where you get it? What is the price there? What is the added value for the downstream? And then for the finally for the customer. But this whole verbund, it's a big uh, optimized complex where you optimize everything. Energy efficiency, process efficiency, uh, consumption factors, and it has been proven in this verbal concept. If you look also at PSA world in, in Germany and other examples in USA and in China, it has been really uh, successful and, and in long term also for the PSF. 
and for the Petronas also. You talked just now about actually there's a huge pipeline of expansion taking place uh, with this joint venture, mm. uh, new plants being commissioned. Also, there have been plants in the past that you have decommissioned as well mm. uh, within the facility. Help us understand the guiding principles to when do you think a facility works or not works? Is it purely driven by market dynamics? Yeah. Normally, when uh, you make the investment decision, you make also where's the customer? Where's the demand? Uh, I take one example, 2000. If you look the whole global economy, Asia, North and South America and Europe, uh, chemical market, the split was around one third, one third, one third. If you look now estimation growth in 2030, Asia will be 70%. So substantial amount is here. So growth is here and demand is here. Therefore, normally in this kind of big assets, chemical plants, you always look to long term that you invest in where are the customers and, and go close to the customers and, and, and because then you can serve them the most cost uh, efficient way and you can be co- uh, more competitive and the growth is in this area. So then companies, big companies are looking that there comes normal economical uh, KPIs, uh, what is the payback time, what is present value index, then you look, okay, what is the feedstock? Where are the customers, like I already mentioned? So it's a combination of these things. And then these assets, like I mentioned at the beginning, you need the substantial amount of the big, huge asset and the funds for this. You need to look long-term. You need to look that you can do the successful business next 20 years or, or like we in, in here in PPC, 25 years. Mm. You always look the long-term, this horizon. You don't look the quick wins. So articulating this whole concept of long-term investment, about yeah. having that clear long-term horizon, what is the payback period if I decide to commission a chemical facility here, right? When can I get my capital paid back? It depends on the company. So mm. so PSF, Petronas, or Dow, or Hansmann. But in this case here, with giving with the new plants you're commissioning uh, I here. Go, unfortunately, I cannot go uh. in details in our financial, uh, financial uh, calculation. But uh, there's a return for the investor. We always look to Rossi and wait uh, average of the capital cost. So there's a clear rules how we calculate. And, and when we make a decision, we looked at, okay, it is for sure economically beneficial for the company in long term. With any JV, there's always bound to have some differing alignment priorities here. Do, do, do Petronas and BASF have the shared priorities or expectations about what is the right return on capital employed in terms of what the right priorities are, right? Generally, what is the process of getting an investment done? Is it relatively easy with a JV like this? Mm. Every investment is a process. Yeah. You need to convince people, bring the details, go through the discussion with the, uh, with the owners and shareholders. Okay, in our JV case, we need to discuss with both shareholders. Petronas and, and then the PSF and then run the investment process through there. Of course, we as a JV, we propose the investment, so we are the uh, runner seat. So we start this process, then we go to PSF process, Petronas internal process, and then merge in our JV process. And it takes time, mm. and bigger the investment is, longer it takes time. But looking big companies, they are more or less similar. So I don't see big differences in PSF and Petronas. There are certain certain deviation, but basic concept, what we are looking as a international chemical companies, it's based on similar principles. All right, we're going to take a quick break and return with Marco Mertonon, Managing Director of BASF Petronas Chemicals, Sundiyar Bharat. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill 
Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Welcome back on The Breakfast Grill with me. I have on the hot seat Marco Merchant, Managing Director of BASF Petronas Chemicals, as we have a deep conversation with him about how this joint venture between Petronas Chemicals and BASF has been leveraging the expansion and huge appetite for chemicals in the Asia-Pacific market, which then comes to mind the core question here. You just now said, you know, two decades ago, one-third Asia pack. Now it's close to 70%, right? Help us articulate where the Asian demand is coming from for your products. Uh, if you look today, China was a big growth. If you look 2000, 2010, Southeast Asia as well. Now, if I look China, it's not anymore double digit. Mm. So, and China is more, if you look now, the growth estimates, it's still really solid growth. Like I said, growth is here Asia. Currently, India is picking up. That I see really interesting area. Population also is big. And, and generally, Southeast Asia. So it is it is picking up there more. China will steadily grow. Volume is always so big. And, and we are investing. But India is an interesting, interesting place. Help us understand the nature of your customers. Who are they? What are they type? What are they looking for? Okay, if you look our customer, so basically when we go to chemical, it's so automotive, construction, personal care, uh, packaging, and, and we are really diverse, home or uh, uh, consumer goods. So we, we are diverse if you look at our chemicals. It goes uh, ev- everywhere. What I see also now, in, in if I take one China example, local players are coming strong. Also in Southeast Asia, they are coming stronger and stronger. And, and when we look at our top customers, and, and they are local, local stars. Mm. And, and they are they are coming really big in, in, in as our direct customers. In the past, they were we of course we had this global conglomerate who are our customers as well. But local stars and players they are growing their portion and coming really strong players. I'm keen to expand on this uh, local presence that you say yeah. that the demand is growing locally. Help us understand then the further downstream expansion of these materials that come through, right? What are local players using your products for then? Are they fundamentally then actually using it straight to consumer or are they actually just creating even more products for further downstream production? Mm. Uh, there's a more further downstream production because primarily our customers, they also make, uh, we don't sell our products to final customer for you or the people on the, on the street and here in KL. There's always several value chains still in between. Like a, a, a automotive, it goes to coatings, and like a GAA, goes to super absorbent, and finally it goes to typers. So we are all, always between the uh, chain. So therefore, we need to carefully look and analyze how are the end consumers, what is their behavior, and, and which uh, direction is going, what are the trends, where the demand is, is growing. Sustainability is coming more and more important. And, and as a responsible company, we also looked at that, okay, we want to save the environment. When The question is when people are ready to pay this uh, premium currently in the sustainability. But uh, as a responsible company, PPC, and our shareholders, we have certain commitments. We want to be the front runners. And, and we want to see that, okay, how to our world and environment looks in the future. Mm. 
you make a very interesting point about this whole sustainability agenda mm. and drive. And naturally, the problem here is the transition towards, you know, alternatives that are more biodegradable, sustainable, mm. friendly, right? What's the premium now, actually, when people try to transition to these more sustainable options? And it's why people aren't doing that, isn't it? Because the premium is still very high. Yeah, it depends uh, which uh, customer segments you are uh, and what other end, end consumers. Uh, there's mm-hmm. different behaviors depending on customers, right? But uh, what we need and uh, for the sustainability of the user, we need to treat things there. Governmental regulations needs to be supporting. There needs to be certain push, and like Malaysia is also doing. Then, uh, secondly, we need customers like you when you are ready to pay and 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 uh, premium on that. Okay, I buy more sustainable product which will save our nature and, and world. And, and and thirdly, you need also business leaders who are who wants to, who are entrepreneurs. Who have the courage and, to do it. Yeah, who has the courage to, who believes this. So finally, it comes to our customers, you and me, when we go to shop and we look, okay, I want to buy this product because then product carbon footprint is... Uh, better for the, our, our, our nature. Because fundamentally, a lot of your products really are driven by, I think, market pricing, isn't it? What is market price there and what you can basically deliver mm. on a competitive level? Is that fair? That actually for you, the key differentiator to improve your margins is cost control. Uh, you commodity business, over there is a special commodity, you need to be cost efficient. That's a fundamental thing. You need to be the most e- efficient uh, production, most real-world production. That, that's a key fundamental. And if you look at our cost uh, structures, there's a raw material, that's for sure. It's one of the key elements, energy, and, and, and those are the driving, driving factors. So unpacking your... cost technology also. Yeah, and unpacking your cost structure, you know, you talk about some of the components there, energy price, raw mm. material costs, labor. Mm. There's also this huge capex that you do. Help yeah. us break down your cost structure. Like, what's the percentage that is raw material versus energy versus labor and such? Without going to details, but you can look in Google also and you see the answer there. So if you look the variable part, we are talking about 70 to 80 percent. And it, mm. it depends. It depends how you cal- calculate where you are. But that's a rough split. Yeah. And, and looking at your financials and P&L, give us a sense, right? Like 2023 revenue was a bit lower than 2022. What mm. generally drives the the top line numbers for, for someone like BASF Petronas? What really moves the needle very much of the top line? There's a, what is the supply-demand balance and mm-hmm. is there the grow, uh, grow? If we go to back 2020, we were middle of the COVID and it was going uh, down the whole market. But then 2021, all companies, people went back back to the out and started to consume. So, foo, it's a huge peak. And and now 2022, 2023, it is market uh, macroeconomic has been challenged in, 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 in recent, recently and to the different reasons. So, and still, we it is not picking up. And if you look to GDP growth, and and we will see in this year what's going to happen. Personally, I believe, hopefully, second half of the 2024, we see the more peak. Europe is still not good, but but uh, it's a recession. Yeah, recession, mm. and, and and China was slightly picking up, but it's still uh, subdued the, mm. the the growth. But uh, Asia, anyway, uh, it's a better situation if I compare to Europe for yeah. sure, and North America, of course, uh, and and South America better than Europe. Something like COVID takes place, huge changes in consumer mm. trends. 
on the flip side, you also make long-term investments and bets, you know, about yeah. the horizon being much long-term. So all these short-term macro shifts really shouldn't factor into the decision-making for these mm. very long-term bets, isn't mm. it? What is the future in 10, 15 years? What do you think are the biggest shifts in your product portfolio that you think will shape how the joint venture will look and prioritize in the next 10 to 15 years? Mm. Okay, we need to stay competitive always whatever is the environment chasing around us and if i look our jv here we have a solid position history has proven i come and thanks also to petrona we have this sustainable feedstock supply it's competitive our technology is also further development but then to differentiate and and therefore i'm now again jumping this sustainability look at global warming where is it going? If we don't do anything, there comes a day that we are forced to do it. So better to do in, in advance and, and differentiate it. And and I see one lever also how we should different, differentiate is that we will be sustainable green company, that we give the option for the consumers that, hey, here, PPC, we are the green company. We can offer green solution also. We think sustainable way, like, like we are doing. So that's a one way differentiated. Then how the consumer behavior will otherwise change there, I, I cannot say, I, I don't have a crystal ball. Mm. It's mm. just a guessing. There's a smart guy and they are guessing. The question is, mm. how many how many days are right? Otherwise, I would be doing the wrong job. I would go to stock market, <laughs> immediately work if I knew what happens in tomorrow. But I guess what I'm hearing from you is that, look, this joint venture is here for the long term, that there are many opportunities still to tap. You know, when you reflect on the past 25, 26 years of really a, 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 a joint venture that has grown from strength to strength, what are the things that you think Malaysia needs to tap on further to make you know, the chemicals industry as a whole expand and flourish here. We, we have a strong support from Malaysian government and, and patrons. I have to really thank you. And there was a pleasure to work here. So, but also what we would need and what we have still in, we need support also this green transition. I'm still repeating because I believe in the long term, this can differentiate us in the other commodity players. We can give the option and their support to help us in this green transition like Malaysia is doing. And we are one of those uh, role model companies in sustainability where we are working together with Malaysia and, and chemical uh, other chemical players here. Marco, thank you very much. That was Marco Mertonen, Managing Director of BASF Petronas Chemicals Berhad, as he helps us understand how this joint venture between Petronas Chemicals and BASF has grown from strength to strength as it celebrates 26 years in Malaysia. I'm Philip C, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.